is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker, a career and executive coach, and today I welcome Julia Lorenz Olson to the show. Julia, welcome. I'm so delighted to have you with me today. Absolutely. Thank you so much. So we're going to dive into a really great conversation because you are on a quest to provide objective financial education. And I want to give our our global audience a a lead up. You've had this beautiful career journey, and you're going to tell us a little bit more about that. But you are now the co-creator of a financial planning firm called The Art of Finance. And the premise is really to help people navigate their own personal finance journey with objectivity and great information. How in the world did you get started on this path? (laughs) A very, very unlikely path, I must say. So I'll try and condense this like, I mean, gosh, at this point, it's probably been a 12-year journey in, you know, as few sentences as I can. But basically, I mean, I grew up not thinking about money at all. Thankfully, I did happen to grow up in a household where things were financially stable for the most part. Um, So I didn't have like financial trauma or anything like that, but it just wasn't really talked about. One, two, I wasn't fabulous at math. I always had to work extra hard to just kind of like, you know, go with the flow. I was never a great subject for me. And on top of that, I was an artist. From the time I was six years old, I knew that being a performer, being an actor, like that was what I was called to do. And so I didn't really – I just thought like, well, I guess I'll just be poor my whole life and that this is something that I'll always struggle with. Um, But then fast forward, you know, I'm in college. I am studying theater. I was true to my word and my vision for that. Um, I met an amazing man (laughs) named Philip who I ended up marrying and we got married super duper young. I had just turned 20, much to my poor parents' chagrin. But, But what that ended up doing is basically putting us out there in the world at a much younger age. And we kind of had to get our stuff together. Like our parents were emotionally supportive, but not financially supportive. And so like we needed to grow up. And so we started kind of on this path of learning like, okay, what what do we do like to have savings? What does a budget even mean? And then I sort of took a hard turn um, – gosh, now about seven years ago, we both went from like trying to make acting and performance and teaching, Philip was a theater teacher, work financially. And we both ended up in different zones of the financial industry. I ended up as a mortgage loan officer of all things. And he ended up um, as a financial advisor at one of like your big box firms. And we just both learned so much and, um, you know, discovered like what it is to feel in command of your finances and got an education just sort of by going through, like going through it, you know, navigating the ropes of the industry and like at the end of that, we knew like, okay, we have the tools to be able to really teach people the basics of it. And that's what they really need in order to feel in command and just like have a sense of purpose and passion and like 
get rid of all the stigma and fear. So like that that, that has been the journey, like as, as condensed as I can make it. I love that. And you and I share a common denominator in that we we started our careers as artists. I'm uh, I love it. An opera singer, so I totally get what you're talking about. Oh my gosh. About, right? and it's it's that I don't know if you experience this, but on my my career journey, the first leg, you know, there are feasts and famine and you've really got a plan for those financial goals oh, yeah. in between gigs, 100%. right? But, what yes. I love about you is that you figured this out, right? Got married early. You and Philip figured this out. And I think uh, creative people often have to be self-taught, right? Because it's not necessarily 100%. on our academic journey. But I also hear this beautiful creativity is really welcomed and helps you and Philip stand out in perhaps a non-creative industry, at least perception, in finance. Do, do you find that, that this has helped you? Oh, yes. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I use my 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 theater degree is like proudly on my wall. Like I am not ashamed of having a, you know, uh an out of the box um, you know, academic background at all. I mean, I was taught how to listen essentially. Like how can I truly listen for what people are saying behind the words that they're saying? That's one. And then tr- and then like just trying to get ultimately to what are people's objectives? Like that's what I was taught is like, what is your objective in this scene? And I think so so many people when it comes to finances, like we're just taught like, we'll just go get more, right? Just go get more money and things will get easier where it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like if you don't know what your objective here is, right? And our objectives change, um, you know, over time. But I love to help facilitate that discovery of objectives and like purpose with my clients. Like I think, I think my out our out of the box background, because Philip's got his degree in theater too, um, really, really has facilitated that and makes us stand out in this sort of, you know, weird industry. <laughs> Well, and I love that the t- the uh, the name of your firm is called The Art of Finance. So how apropos. But, you know, I find it incredible that at this point in history, startups are everywhere. And and whether it's the side up, side up, excuse me, the side hustle gig, right, that someone's doing with their service or their product, or truly, you know, the, the startup tech phenomenon, right, that leads to large matrix organizations, right? But this is such a time in our culture where people are taking control of their careers, yet they're not always savvy enough to think about the financial planning side of it. So what's your advice? What would you and Philip counsel someone who's listening, who's saying, okay, I'm ready to start my own business, side hustle. You know, what do they need to think about now? Yeah, that's a great question um, because I do feel like, People are turning to kind of this, you know, the side hustle, the gig economy as a way to um, sort of turbocharge, if you will, some of their financial goals. Like most people know the basics that they should do. They know they should have some savings in, uh, you know, for emergencies. They know they should be trying to at least get out of debt, right? Like they know these things, but the order that those things go in is oftentimes confused. And how your side hustle fits into that is is oftentimes like I think um, 
people are expecting too much of it. So my my advice is like if this person is like, okay, I am going – I know I'm going to open, you know, some sort of side business or add a side hustle to my life, the best advice I can give is like really two or threefold. So number one, keep your finances for this particular endeavor because everything costs money, right, in some form or fashion. You're, there are going to be some startup costs to this. Immediately, you need to open a separate bank account for that. It doesn't have to be a quote-unquote business account, nothing like that. But start to create two completely separate financial worlds. Your personal world where like your rent and your groceries and all of that and like your paycheck from your J-O-B comes in. And then your second um, – uh, excuse me <clears> – <throat> Your second account needs to be where all the inflow from that business is going to and all the outflow from that business is going into. So that's one thing. Create two completely separate worlds. And then two, you need to approach funding this endeavor as an investor would, as an objective investor would. So like Usually, if there's like a spouse, you know, if you, if you're married, um, this sort of seed money to start this side hustle is going to come from your shared money, and so like you need to have a really open conversation about how much money do we want to put in to start, and then have a limit on it, and then if the business isn't quite generating revenue as quickly as you expect it, like have another conversation, come back to the drawing board of how much more do we want to put into this business? So that's the second thing. And then thirdly, I think kind of coming back to the expectations, I find that whenever people start their own business or a side hustle, their expectations are so much higher than they should be. Like I, I've learned through starting three different businesses of my own that like businesses kind of need to be treated like babies. Like you can't expect this thing, this young thing to perform and like be able to really support your lifestyle in any way for a while, right? And like the, your expectations, like just razor them to the ground as much as possible and give yourself some financial breathing room with it because you will make better business decisions the less financial pressure you're under. So like don't start it with a ton of debt. Don't sink in a ton of money. Like as much as you can and as possible, like dip your toe in like one at a time. Start at the shallow end. Start small. It's completely okay. And you can really build something great from there, but like take it slow. That is awesome wisdom, Julia. We'll be right back after a quick break. Your working life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to know more about. We want this podcast to serve all of your working life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedoubthiggins.com. So Julia, I have some friends who are thriving in their careers, but they have this, shall I say, hang up about uh, hiring a financial advisor. And they're 
response to me is, I don't have enough money to invest yet. And, you know, I lovingly shake my hands at them and say, okay, it's about planning for the future. It's not just about investing. So walk the global audience through that because I'm a planner and I'm sure you as a financial expert would, would encourage others to start planning early. Definitely. And so I think, I think where people are coming from is a, you know, with this idea of like, well, I don't have a lot of, a lot of money to invest is actually, um, it's coming from an accurate place, which is 95, I mean, I would say like 95% of the financial industry is built on people billing you for assets that they manage. And so, of course, they won't talk to you if you don't have assets to manage because that's how they make money. But the great thing is that that is not the only type of financial help out there. So my guidance for like finding objective help that, you know, helps people that aren't just like millionaires is to look for a fee-only CFP. Those two designations will guarantee a couple of things. One, they do not sell financial products. So that's one thing. Two, um, yes, some fee-only CFPs will only work in basically build assets under management, but a good amount of them, like people like us, there's kind of this like, I want to say younger vanguard of people coming into this industry who say like, hey, I just want to provide guidance to people, no matter what that guidance is, whether it's getting out of debt or how to save or learning how to budget and like not need to feel like they have to have money managed like and, you know, be able to charge a um, – a fair fee for that service. And so like we are out there. <laughs> we exist. Um, and being – whenever you're in a place where like you have some financial stability under you and you're starting to amass some, you know, some savings and you want just a little bit more of a guide, like there are fee-only CFPs out there who will work with you. But just know like typically they're going to cost like in the 250 an hour range. So it isn't like cheap advice, but it is well worth your time when you're in a place where you're like, okay, I'm settled I'm settled ish. Like I've got a you know a career I like, I'm making some money, but now it like I need some objective advice on like where should I focus my financial energy right now? Too many people don't focus their finances. They're trying to do way too many things at once. And so just having an objective pair of eyes on it, like as soon as you're in that place where you feel kind of stable, like check it out. Like there are people out there who can and will help you. And just for for clarification, CFP is certified financial planner. Is that accurate? Correct. Yes, that is accurate. Mm -hmm. Yes. And you can also find some financial guidance outside of that. So like one other designation I might look for is an AFC, uh, an accredited financial counselor. Um, That's also an option as well. Like if you're looking for somebody who is, you know, has some letters behind their name. Got it. So Julia, in addition to the firm that you and Paul launched called The Art of Finance, you have this extraordinary PBS show called Two Cents, and it really is incredible. It, you've earned a an regional Emmy, Telly, and Webby Awards. So 
well done you. It's exciting. And I've seen it. So it's just, I'm tickled by it. And I'm going to become a frequent flyer. I'm new to the show, but really excited (laughs) about it. But how did that happen? That must be the melding of two beautiful worlds for you and Paul. Yes, uh, absolutely. His name is Philip. Why did I say Paul? My goodness, Philip. Apologies. It starts with a P. It's all good. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but yeah, so so really what the story behind that is that I was an Ophelia in a production of Hamlet, like, oh my gosh, now it must have been eight or nine years ago. And the director I work with, his name was Andrew. And, you know, we really hit it off. I really enjoyed working with him. Um, and we just, you know, connected via Facebook and kind of, you know, remained semi in touch. And then when we opened our firm, The Art of Finance, both Philip and I knew that we really wanted to use video as a part of our marketing strategy. Like I wanted to create funny educational videos so that people will get a sense of like who we are and how we teach our clients and like that's what I wanted to do. So we started to make our own videos. And I mean, we just posted them on Facebook. They went nowhere. No one watched them. But it was, you know, kind of a learning experience for us and Andrew watched them. And Andrew reached out to us and was like, hey, so he and his wife Katie have um, filmmaking backgrounds and he just so happened to be working on one of PBS Digital Studios' biggest shows called It's Okay to Be Smart, which is actually produced here in Austin. Um, They have a huge, huge following and he knew that PBS was looking for some new ideas for shows, new content. And so we thought, what do you guys think about pitching them this idea for like a financial show? And I was like, are you kidding me? Where do I sign? Like, I am a born and bred PBS baby. Like, I was not allowed to watch anything else growing up. So (laughs) it was an amazing opportunity. And like, we took it, we funded the pilot ourselves. Like, we we worked really hard and it took way, way longer than we thought it would. But like from that idea, from like the germination of that idea to actually having a executed contract and like our first episode up, it was an almost two-year process. But our first year was just, I mean, amazing. We were the – I think the, the highest um, or like the fastest growing channel in – digital, you know, for PBS Digital Studios. And it's just been amazing. So we've really, really enjoyed it. Well, bravo to both of you. How do you pick topics for this broader platform to educate people via television? Because you've got to keep it fresh and you do. So how how do you find new topics that are compelling? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, We... So it's drawn from a couple of things. One, the fact that we are actually practitioners of this is helpful in that like we see things over and over and over with our clients, right? Like we see these big holes in people's financial education. And so we always kind of bring that to the table of like, hey, people are coming to us with this specific question on life insurance. Like how can we package this in a five-minute video to answer these questions in a way that is engaging and interesting? (laughs) So there's that. And then also secondly, I mean, the world of economics is actually pretty fascinating because when you dig down deep, it's all about feelings. It's how people feel. It's about investor, quote unquote, confidence, like all of these things. So I – we're kind of we look at the news and see like what's happening here like what in the broader 
globe is happening that I wish people felt more at ease with understanding because honestly, I feel like the financial industry gets and governments get away with so much crap because we are horribly undereducated. And so I'm like, how can I shed a little bit more light on this so that people feel more empowered to make changes if they think they should be made? And and I will tell you, it, you can, as an audience member, right, as someone watching the show, I will tell you that emotional connection is really strong. I feel like mm. you're talking to me, and you. you have this incredible talent. And you even you even name it. You you talk about matchmaking in the sales process, right? But it's this ability yeah. to listen and and learn about what people need and what they want, and then make those offerings. Tell me a little bit more about matchmaking in your world. Mm, yeah, I so I grew up sort of thinking of sales and like being a salesman or woman as like kind of a dirty word, right? But yeah. honestly, like, and this may this probably heavily factors in just who I am. Sort of my personality was like baked up as so like I'm an Enneagram Seven. If there's any like Enneagram nerds out there, and <laughs> I'm just a natural cheerleader of things that I like. Period. And so like when I learned like, oh, I am just a natural salesperson. Like if I feel truly passionately about something, like you won't get me to shut up about it. Like I won't. So how can I take that one piece of it and then also blend that with like integrity? Like my true heart is that I want people to have the right help for them. And I'm not the right help for everybody. I'm just not. But I do make it my business to be informed about other avenues of help that might be better fits for people. So like whenever I approach, you know, particularly the sales process being like the main salesperson for our firm, I re- and I say this, I'm a matchmaker. Like I'm here to inform you exactly how we work at the Art of Finance. But if I don't think it's a perfect fit, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I think one, it – I mean, I really mean that when I say it. And so people kind of drop their guards a little bit, right? Because they're expecting some sort of heavy pitch whenever you get on a phone call with somebody. So like how can I lower defenses a little bit? And then I think people are much more willing to – share things about their situation that give me more ammunition to give them the right type of help. And if it's us, I'll be totally honest and be like, I think we could really help you because we can address all of these different problem spots. um, And I feel confident in that. But if I'm not, I'm going to send you somewhere else. So that's kind of how you're yeah, your authenticity is really palpable and, and very much appreciated. So Julie, as we wrap... What's one bit of advice? Because I'm sure there's so much to share. And of course, we're so going to point people toward two cents on PBS, right? Yeah. So they can get your advice on a regular basis. But what's one baby step that people should consider when trying to create good financial habits? Mm, yes. And I love that that word you used, habits. Like I think a lot of people are worried that they're making wrong financial decisions. Like we think – winning with money, whatever that means to you, really like hinges on these huge big decisions of like buying this car or buying this house. And it doesn't. It really comes down to what are your habits? How are you daily engaging with, you know, how are you engaging with your money on a daily basis in a healthy way? So my biggest, biggest piece of advice is have a budget. 
And I know that sounds unsexy. Trust me, as someone who like was dragged kicking and screaming into budgeting, like I so get it. I thought it was going to be a pair of handcuffs. I thought budget that's what budgeting was, but it's so not. Like it is a pair of wings. <laughs> it is what – it is the tool – to align your values with where your money is going. And so much of the shame and stress and guilt that we associate with money, I really think lies with disalignment, with being out of line with what you really feel is important in the world. And so a budget is really just a tool to help just help align your values with where your money is going. And like nobody does it perfectly. That's okay. Like put perfection out in the wind, like it doesn't exist. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't try and like expect it to be hard at the beginning because it's a brand new skill. You're not, you're, no one is born with great budgeting know-how and like, but just commit to it. Fall off the horse, get back on. It's so, so, so worth it. I love it. Get your budget wings. Good stuff. Julia, thank you. (laughs) I learned so much from you today and I'm really grateful. And I am a super fan of Two Cents on PBS and I wish you you. continued success. Thanks for being on the show today. Absolutely. It's totally my pleasure. Thank you. And if you like our show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud and even better, leave us a review because this helps new people find us online. And let me know what career-minded issues you would like for me to feature on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. Thanks for listening.